Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Believe It or Not edition, as I talk to two Bengals rookies about a hard-to-believe coincidence. First-round draft pick Miles Murphy and second-round selection DJ Turner were childhood buddies, and the Bengals didn't even know it before the draft. Plus, I'll check in with my broadcast partner Dave Lapham to discuss the latest off-season developments one week before the Bengals' mandatory three-day minicamp, and I'll wrap things up by discussing the open right tackle position with one of the best right tackles in franchise history. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Joe Burrow Foundation. The Bengals quarterback is one of several players on the team who is using his platform to help others. The primary focus of Joe's foundation is to help families battling hunger and children dealing with mental health issues. And this week, Joe held a golf tournament that raised nearly $1 million. The slogan of the Burrow Foundation is simple. Everyone has a responsibility to do good, which is not to be confused with the Derek Zoolander Center for Children Who Can't Read Good and Want to Learn to Do Other Stuff Good Too. Hopefully you get the movie reference. In any case, thank you to Joe Burrow, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, Tyler Boyd, Ted Karras, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Cal Adamitis, and many others for all they are doing to help the less fortunate. Now, let's get to this week's guests. As you know, before the draft, the Bengals do exhaustive research about every player they might consider picking. The scouts and coaches talk to anybody and everybody to try to learn as much as they possibly can about each prospect. That was obviously the case with their first two picks this year, defensive end Miles Murphy and cornerback DJ Turner. And yet, there was something very interesting about that duo that the Bengals didn't learn until after they were drafted. Murphy and Turner have known each other since they were little kids. The three of us discuss that wild coincidence this week. If I understand the story correctly, Miles, your mom met DJ's dad when they were in kindergarten. Is that correct? Miles, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so what my mom, what my mom has told me was they have known each other since kindergarten, first grade, grew up in the same neighborhood. Uh, been playing together since they were kids, been together since they were growing up all through their lives. And, you know, really once he started having kids, me, DJ, my brother and whatnot, we just were just together the whole time. And then probably, I guess they, well, you guys live in what? Swanee, Swanee, North Gwinnett. Yeah, Swanee, North Gwinnett. We live in Marietta. So that's like, I live on the uh, West Coast of Atlanta. They're on the East Coast of Atlanta. So they kept in touch and... You know, we would talk every once in a while. He went to Michigan. I went to Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I guess really just turned out. So, DJ, what did you hear about Miles' family when you were growing up? Not the same exact thing. Kindergarten, first grade, grew up with each other. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. And then we just was family friends. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, he said everything, for real. <laughs> like, it's not, yeah, just uh, they grew up with each other and stuff like that. Stayed in contact, obviously. They was real good friends. 
And yeah, it just so happened that we both got drafted to the same team. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. The first round pick and the second round pick of the same NFL team. I mean, the odds of this yeah. as childhood acquaintances are astronomical. Were you just wowed when that's the way it played out, DJ? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, but like, I wasn't too surprised because I mean, like when the draft was going on, because I was like, I mean, they take a corner in the end. That's not really kind of crazy. You know, that's kind of a combo you take. So. I mean, it, it was, it's crazy that it happened and all the people and stuff, but then position-wise, you look at it, you're like, I mean, corner and DN, you know, go together, so. Miles, did you follow him at all over the years? I did, yeah, follow him all throughout Michigan, but, uh, I, well, really, like you said, just draft night. I was, I guess, the Thursday, got drafted to uh, Cincinnati, celebrating all of that. Then Friday, Friday night, I was just chilling in the basement, watching the draft, and I was, I was looking at my phone, and all, all I hear upstairs is my mom scream, and she started running. <laughs> and I look on the TV screen, I'm like, why is she screaming? And then I see DJ's highlights, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I understand why she's screaming now. So I go upstairs, and she's on the phone trying to call his dad, trying to call his mom. I'm like, they're probably celebrating. They're not, they're not going to answer the phone right now. Just, you know, let them celebrate for a second. But, you know, it, it was cool, though. It was for sure cool. My mom actually answered Oh, she did? Yeah, she is. Yeah, my mom answered like, yeah, cause I, cause I was like, who are you on the phone with right now? <laughs> and then she was like, I was like, oh, okay, 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 that makes sense. So have your, well, your dad, DJ, and Miles' mom had a lot of contact since you two guys were taken. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, they always stayed in contact, even when it just so happened that they both came the same weekend. And so, like, when they came, they moved, helped me move me in, and they was helping him move in, and all that kind of stuff. And they was here, so they saw each other up here in Cincinnati too. So this picture's made the rounds of you two guys as kids. I don't know if you were eight or ten or how old you were, but you're at a you're at a childhood birthday party together, which is just crazy. I don't know what it was. I don't know how old I was. Yeah, I have no idea. Somebody's agent had the picture. Whose agent? Uh, nah, nah. My my dad. My like we had the picture, but then my agent had the picture too, and so he sent it to somebody in the Bengals, and then asked when it just took off. But like. Obviously, I mean, we had the pictures forever, you know. Are you amazed that the Bengals had no idea? I mean, they do all this research no, about that, you guys. That was surprising. That was surprising. Like, they had no idea, like none. I, I was surprised because the way they be researching, I thought, <laughs> yeah, they would know something. But no, they had no idea. So I was like, oh, okay. Is there a bond between you two guys from, you know, getting to know each other, at least somewhat as kids? Uh, I about to say, like, especially now, it's just been like a just a funny moment, honestly. And we'll joke about it all the time, but. You know, really just building that chemistry on on the field, off the field, and then biggest thing for really for both of us, learning that playbook, yeah. trying to get that down right now. So, no, for sure. I mean, you guys both had highly decorated college careers. Yeah. How closely did you track each other's progress? I mean, big all the time. I mean, like I said, I was looking at going to Clemson too. So, I mean, it, I definitely was watching it. And there's a whole bunch of Georgia people from Clemson, like. I know so many people in Clemson, so obviously I'm, t- I'm turning the game on all the time to turn whenever I could to watch Clemson. So yeah, I definitely kept up a lot of well uh, Clemson's uh, career. So Miles, since you were taken before DJ, were you thinking going into the second round, hey, if DJ Turner's still there, that would be awesome. I li- literally what I was saying was the front office knows who they want, so they're gonna they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna take. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I know I have no say, but, you know, yeah. it'd be nice to have them, but they're going to take who they want. Yeah. So that's literally what I was saying. Yeah. They go on, you, don't, you, don't, you have no you say. can't be too picky. Yeah, you have no say what's going on. You're just waiting for that call. That's all you care about. Yeah. yeah.
So now that it's happened and you are teammates, hopefully for many, many years to come, how cool is this, DJ? I mean, great. Yeah, plans to do big things here. And so, you know, definitely both of us came in, locked in, trying to learn the playbook and, you know, ready to go. You find it pretty cool as well, Miles? I do. Uh, yeah. Just uh, it's, it's good to know, like, that I'm familiar, already familiar with someone, and then our families are familiar with another person's family. So they're for sure going to, I guess, once they're trying to figure out the parent section, they're going to be trying to coordinate how that is. So I saw a quote where Miles' mom called your dad Drago, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of your friends do. Yeah. Are you going to call him Drago, or do you already? Uh, I just say DJ, because <laughs> yeah. I, I I say DJ or Mr. Drago, like that's that's just what I say. Yeah. yeah. No, like like how DJ is my name. That's yeah. that's how my Drago's. That's my dad name. Okay. So like that's why you're DJ because people call your dad Drago. Right. Right. So that, he's literally Drago. So, but then there's like three DJs on the team, and then from and even from high school and stuff, you know, people in college and all that, people call me one Drago, Drago one. You know, like, once people find out my real name, that take off. But, you know, yeah, I go by all of them. From childhood buddies, or at least acquaintances, to NFL teammates, Miles Murphy, DJ Turner. It's really cool. Great to have you both on the team. Sounds good. Yes, sir. By the way, if you haven't seen the picture that I mentioned in that conversation, just do a search for Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, childhood photo. It's the first image that will pop up. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. And by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. The Bengals' off-season program ends next week with a three-day mandatory minicamp. After that, the players are off for more than a month before training camp gets underway in late July. For a look at how things stand right now, I caught up with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Lap, let's talk about the approach that Zach Taylor is taking this off-season. A lot has been made of the fact that the Bengals are not holding the maximum number of practices. They're probably holding less physical practices than any other team in the NFL. What do you make of it? Um, I I think that uh, the players feel like Zach's taking care of them, so they're going to take care of him. I think that, you know, they're putting forth uh, maximum effort at every single practice. I think they feel like uh, they have a coach that gets it, and they're going to do everything they possibly can to have success for that football coach. And, you know, it's interesting to me, Dan, because I look at some of it, and and so many guys – have have chips on their shoulders. You know, there are guys that want new contracts, so they're going to give ultimate maximum uh, effort and performance. I think Jamar Chase has a little bit of a mentality like, man, I missed those games last year due to injury. You know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to come back and have a, a monster year this year, feeling like I had a little bit of regret that he wasn't there. You know, down the stretch, not due to anything other than injury, obviously that you can't control. But for guys have different reasons to go out there and just uh, put forth tremendous effort and set themselves up for the best possible season they can have. So I I think it's shown itself on the football field. So when they started 0-2 last year, a lot of people were like, ah, they didn't hit enough in training camp. Guys needed to play in the preseason more than they did. Well, they ended the season with a 10-game winning streak until losing to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. Do you think that reinforced in Zach's mind that – 
this is the right approach. We do need to start better than 0-2, but the bottom line is we finished the season relatively fresh, relatively healthy, and we're within two minutes of winning or going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think part of that 0-2 start and, you know, the, the slow start in general, losing the first three division games and everything, you know, Joe Burrow's coming off appendicitis, and, you know, that's the straw that stirs the drink. And, uh, you know, I really salute him for playing. You know, he was he was not the Joe Burrow that we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, at 100%, obviously, but he still performed at a very good level, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't his best level, and once he rounded into form, pew, off they went. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you throw the the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I think you I think you just still stay with what your belief is the best way to approach it. Because I'll tell you it, from experience, and, and it's even more so now. Same number of games, but you know, change the preseason games to the regular season. It's a long season. <laughs> It's just a grind. It really is. And um, I think this football team has positioned themselves exceptionally well from a roster standpoint. And, you know, if you can, um, you know, handle that variable that nobody can hit, you can't control the injury variable. You try as best you can to control it. And, and Zach feels this is the best way to do it. They've signed a, a ton of free agents over the last three or four years. Money is obviously the bottom line in free agency. But do you think this approach really taking care of the guys, so to speak, pays off when it comes to free agency. Yeah, because there are no secrets in the league. You know, I mean, everybody has friends on every single team. And, and uh, there's no doubt that I, I think I think Zach Taylor is universally known around the National Football League as, <clears throat> quote, a player's coach. You know, a guy that is going to take care of the players, isn't going to, uh, you know, burden them unnecessarily, um, egoless, that it's all about the players. They're going to do everything they possibly can as a coaching staff to put the players in the best position they possibly can to perform at the highest level they possibly can and win as many games as they can. I know there have been discussions among the coaching staff about whether guys should play in the preseason this coming year, at least a few series in one of the games or something like that. But then we learned last week that they're going to have a joint practice with Green Bay before that preseason game, just one this time, not two, since we saw what happened in the second practice of the Rams last year. But when I saw that, I figured, well, there's probably where your starters are going to see your action or see their action. It's probably not going to be in the actual preseason games again. Did you feel the same way? I did. You know, when I saw that uh, that they were coming in, um, Coach LaFleur and, and Zach obviously have a very keen understanding of each other. And they totally trust how each other are going to handle that joint practice. And they'll get uh, really good work in without going over the top as such, uh, as what happened in day two against the Rams. But, uh, yeah, when, when I saw heard that they were going to have that joint practice, uh, it came to the same conclusion you did. I said, okay, preseason game number one against Green Bay. I know you're not going to see uh, very many uh, starters for sure, if any, um, and uh, everything's going to be taken place, scripted, go after it. And, and I think both teams will practice at a very high level. <clears throat> now they won't. They won't, uh, you know, probably take people to the ground. There may there may be a period or two where it's full all out, and some of those workouts that's been the case take them to the ground. Uh, and but I think I thought they got really good work against the Rams last year. Other than obviously when it got out of control with guys taking helmets off each other's heads and swinging them and all that kind of thing. Other than that, other than that, <laughs> we take that part of it away. Uh, you know, it, it was pretty good football, and I think that'll be the same against the Packers for sure. 
So this is still a voluntary phase. Most of the guys have been here, at least for some of the time during these voluntary workouts. We've got mandatory workouts coming up next week. Do you think Jonah Williams will be here for the start of the mandatory period? I do. I think uh, I think Jonah is, uh, you know, he, he's, come, he's rehabbing, coming off that surgery. So even if he's here, I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to do anyway. But I think he will be here. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd really be surprised if he's not. Let me put it that way. Knowing him uh, to the extent that I do, and I, I think that, Frank Pollock and, uh, and and Zach and probably everybody, uh, you know, Coach Callahan, everybody invo- involved, um, you know, feel like there's a good chance that Jonah will be here for those uh, those mandatory practices. And I, I would be very surprised if he if he wasn't. Stranger things have happened, you know. But I think um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, he and his partner had a baby as well. So there's that newborn involved in rehabbing. So he's decided to spend time, uh, you know, in, in that process, taking care of him, himself and, and his family uh, instead of uh, being here in the, in the voluntary workouts. It is voluntary. So for anybody that gets on a guy thinking it's a sign of a bad, bad attitude or something like that, I think that's overblown. There's a reason there's voluntary periods and there are mandatory periods. And another thing to keep in mind, when it comes to the voluntary periods, the guys on their second contract are highly incentivized to be there. They get big bonuses for showing up for the off-season workouts and so forth. So I'm not saying that those guys are not you know, being great team players, but they are being compensated to be here. There's no doubt, you know, and and you don't you don't want to get nicked, you know. Uh, you don't. You, I, I think you can be, uh, maybe you can't be fine, but you're certainly not going to get the money that you could have mm-hmm. uh, you could have collected by by showing up. And I don't know, Jonah. To me, he's he's. I'm not saying he's a throwback from a mentality standpoint, but I think you know. Obviously, he had a he had an initial reaction and a disappointment and all that that you can understand. But I think when push comes to shove, Jonah Williams is a consummate team player. And, you know, I mean, you go to the right tackle position and show that you can play it, you're still going to be making, you know, a lot of money, double-digit millions, you know, in that contract year. And and you go out there and you show that you can play left tackle and you can also play right tackle in the National Football League. That's going to do nothing to uh, take, take away your value, value as a football player in the offensive line. It's going to enhance it. Let's talk about the guy that took his spot at left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. He's a proven player, four-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. He's a gigantic man. I am amazed by the person. He is the most amiable, friendly, happy guy I think I've ever met. What what a great addition to the locker room. He, he really is. I mean, he's uh, always got a smile on his face. I mean, he's positive uh, in, in every, every single way that you can be uh, from – football not only football but life in general you know I mean he's he's just one of those guys um he's a he's going to be a huge asset in in uh on the football field in the locker room in the community um he's <laughs> they broke the mold I mean, he's one of those guys that is a, a rare rare human being and he gets it he gets it on every, every single level uh and and he has the it factor you know and it's like when you have it you you, you might understand that you have it and you don't want to lose it, and people can't really define it, but they know that that guy has it, and I think he has that it factor. I really do. 
So the practices have been pretty vanilla so far. There hasn't been a lot of offense versus defense. There was some seven-on-seven stuff today. Has anybody caught your eye, any of the rookies, any of the free agents made you stand up and say, okay, this guy's showing me something? Yeah, I think the thing that has impressed me is um, that they've played at at a high level of intensity. The tempo has been really good, and nobody has shown that they don't belong. You know, it's like everybody... There, there's, there's nobody that's, that's out of position, either from mental error or just getting beaten physically in some sort of a matchup. Um, it's, it's really been pretty good competition out there, and everything's as advertised, I think, which is what you're, you're kind of looking for, you know. But I've seen it in the, in the past. I've seen it, you know, as a player. Guys sometimes, you know, um, look like Tarzan in, in some of these drills, and then all of a sudden on come the pads and end up playing like Jane a little bit, you know, And as the old saying goes. So the, the true test when the rubber meets the road is when the, the helmets and shoulder pads come on and they, they go to training camp, and, um, and then that's the final, the final step that you have to take. You know, a lot of times, oh, he was in position to make that tackle. Well, all of a sudden they put on shoulder pads and helmet and they're not making the tackle. They might have been in position, but they aren't, they aren't finishing the thing. But uh, everybody right now, when you're looking at it in shorts and T-shirts, every single person out there from top to bottom, and that's the one thing that has impressed me, I think, the most so far in the, uh, the OTAs is the depth of the roster. I mean, there's nobody that's like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Everybody belongs, and I think everybody's have has uh, something to contribute. So last year at this time, we were getting our first look at, at Hayden Hurst in a Bengals uniform, and I remember watching him thinking, all right, this guy is more fluid than C.J. Uzama, similar size, similar speed, but just gets in and out of his breaks a little more fluidly. Now, Irv Smith Jr. isn't quite as big, but it's another guy where I'm thinking he's a little smoother and a little more fluid even than Hayden Hurst. Yeah, and, and you know, you see him make, make plays where, you know, if the ball's behind him, that's, that's a tough catch to make and to turn your body and, and be – he shows flexibility, he shows strength, he shows athleticism. I think, I think Joe Burrow is going to really, really like having him as an option to throw to in that passing game with all the receivers that they've got – that he can spread the field with and, and let Irv Smith Jr. work the middle of the football field. And we saw, we've seen, you know, like you said, C.J. Uzama do it, Hayden Hurst do it. There's no reason watching Irv Smith, the athletic ability that he has and the uh, football pedigree, uh, the bloodlines and everything else he has, I expect him to have a pretty significant season. I think Joe Burrow is going to really like throwing the ball to Irv Smith Jr. It's the first week of June. There's no Burrow extension yet. Is there any doubt in your mind that this will get done before the start of the season? There's not any doubt in my mind, but I, I guess would I be shocked if it doesn't? I don't know. I guess nothing shocks me anymore. But I'd be, I'd be, you know, surprised that uh, you couldn't finalize because I think both sides are eager, you know, to get it done. But it's just a matter of <laughs> closing the closing the final gap, you know, and and getting that thing done. Um, Having negotiated contracts myself, it, it's the, the toughest. The toughest part of the contract is that final, <laughs> that final step to get to. You know, you, you start to close the gap, close the gap, close the gap. There's give and take, and then, then everybody starts. Okay, well that's it. I'm not. I'm not budging anymore. And just that final gap to get it closed, whatever it is, 
you know, there's one bargaining point that one side is going to be, you know, firm on and the, the opposite and, and, and the other side. And, and it's just that one final thing to overcome, whatever it may be, and to get that contract consummated. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. Though. I, I'm interested to see who goes, who, who falls first, Herbert or Burrow. But in my estimation, even if Burrow signs first, I don't think Herbert gets as much as Burrow. If Herbert signs first, I think Burrow gets more. If Burrow signs first, I think then the bar is set and then Herbert will fall in line. I just don't think it's going to be one of those deals where, all right, well, if one will sign, the other one will supersede. I don't necessarily think that would would be the case, but we'll see. Yeah, when you put it that way, then there's really no reason for a Herbert deal to hold up a Burrow deal. Exactly, in my mind. Yeah. And, and Burrow deserves more. His team has accomplished much more, five playoff wins to none, a trip to the Super Bowl to none. Herbert's got the better stats, yep. at least in terms of, you know, cumulative numbers. But Burrow has done more to this point to deserve the better deal. I agree. You know, and and uh, I, I, think, I think that is the pecking order. In, in my mind, the only quarterback that, you know, has had more success individually and, and team-wise is Patrick Mahomes, you know. And I think, I think Joe is – with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. That's in my mind. That's that's the pecking order, and and I'm not saying there aren't other great ones. I mean Lawrence is great, uh, Hurst is great. There, there's, uh, you know, Jackson's great, but I, I think I think Joe Burrow should should fall. You know, should be the guy right now until Mahomes goes to the bargaining table again. Because right now I think he's seventh or something in terms of quarterback compensation. But he's already gone to the table and gotten money, and he'll do it again. But I, th- I think Joe Burrow has earned uh, that, that place in the ranking system. I really do. So we were among the fortunate folks invited to play in Joe Burrow's golf tournament for the Joe Burrow Foundation and then attend the after party, which was spectacular, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was remarkable. You know, Joe has this saying, we all have a responsibility to do good. It's not just a saying for Joe Burrow. He lives it. And... Uh, I mean, you talk about a 26-year-old person that gets it. He is the epitome of that. He really is. I mean, you know, the thing, the thing uh, about Joe that uh, resonates with me is, you know, he does everything with class. You know, he, he does everything in a first-class basis, really. Um, and it's just everything, everything that he associates himself with is, is gold. I mean, he is Midas. Everything he touches is gold. And, and uh, you know, the fans just... They, they they just absolutely go crazy for an opportunity to do something, whatever it may be, uh, with Joe Burrow. I mean, a day at training camp with uh, Jimmy Burrow, Joe's dad, goes for you know forty forty five thousand dollars. I'm like, what the heck? This is great. But it, it, the thing that impressed me, having been involved in a, a tournament for you know a good quarter of a century with uh, the Down Syndrome Association, there, there's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, shout out to Karen Cottell, who does a tremendous job for the Down Syndrome Association. Joe's parents put in so much time and everybody is committee. Those things aren't easy to pull off. And, and I thought it went really well for the first time that they did it. Uh, pretty flawless. And, and, and it was everybody, everybody really, I think, enjoyed it. And it's going to be around for as long as they want it to be around, I think. And it's going to do a lot of good for a lot of people, as they say. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection 
with Alta Fiber. Before we get to my final guest, here's a quick invitation to grab your yoga mat and join Who Day on Saturday, June 17th at 9 a.m. for Namaste Yoga on the field at Paycor Stadium. Register now at bengals.com slash yoga. It's presented by You by Kotex in partnership with Kroger and Tidal Babe Period Supply Bank. Joe Burrow hosted his fundraising golf tournament on Monday, and a former Bengal standout hosted his on Thursday. Former right tackle Joe Walter, who helped the Bengals get to Super Bowl XXIII. He's been the host of the Goodwill Celebrity Golf Outing for more than 20 years, helping to provide employment and training services for people with disabilities. I caught up with Joe before his event got underway. Joe, there aren't a ton of question marks on the roster right now, but one of them is at your former position, right tackle. The odds-on favorite is probably Jonah Williams, but he's played the left side in Cincinnati the last three years. Hasn't played right tackle since his freshman year at Alabama. Do you look at this as a difficult move for him to go back from left to right? I, You know, not really. I think if he's really got his mindset right and he's worked at it in the offseason, I think he'll adjust really good at it. He's got that type of mentality. He's a smart guy. Uh, but you got to work at it, right? And uh, if he does that, I think it does nothing but help him in the future. Let's look at the pool of candidates for right tackle. You've got Jonah. You've got Lael Collins, who played the first 15 games last year, but then tore his ACL, MCL, and PCL on Christmas Eve. You've got Jackson Carmen, who hasn't had a great start to his first two NFL seasons. Then you've got Cody Ford, kind of a similar situation, but he's been in the league longer. Do you feel good that out of that pool of candidates, they're going to get good play from somebody at right tackle? Absolutely. Competition breeds greatness, right? So you've got four good guys. I don't know about Collins with his health, right? It's going to be tougher for him to come back. But with the three other, Ford, Jonah, and... um, Jackson. Jackson. I, I think that'll be good competition. And uh, hopefully they get a lot of reps and the coaches can see what they've got. But uh, if you want to play and make money in the future, you got to be good at right tackle. So last year, they have the same five guys start the first 15 games. And then in three straight weeks, they lose starters right. leading up to the AFC Championship game. Unfortunately, it's kind of a deja vu situation for you. You suffered an injury in the final game of the regular season in 88 before the Super Bowl. What did you think of how that impacted the Bengals as they tried to get back to the Super Bowl? Oh, it impacts big time, right? You lose three guys. Um, I keep telling everybody now, this team on paper looks awesome, right? But you got to stay healthy. And we weren't healthy towards the end of the year. Last year, year before, we were healthy. So I think it's all about staying healthy. I think if the line can stay healthy, another year playing together, now you're going to have that right tackle mix where he's not used to playing to the guard with the guard, right? So they've got to learn that. But hopefully with a full training camp and guys out there practicing, it'll be good. We'll be all right. Did you have a bit of a deja vu flashback last year when those guys got hurt so late in the season? A little bit, yeah. Uh, it was uh, tough because I knew what they were going through. And I know what I go through even today, just thinking about not being able to play in the big game and in the playoffs. We're visiting with Joe Walter. What was your reaction when the Bengals signed the number one free agent offensive lineman available this year in Orlando Brown Jr. I was shocked because there was no word. Nobody even knew anything, and it just woke up one day, and there he was. And I went, that was one of the largest pickups the Bengals have ever had. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy, and I know he's really a smart guy, and he's really into it, and he wants to be great, which is he's got that desire. I think we're going to be good. After they signed him, 
Jonah demanded a trade. He's going into the final year of his contract. He's only played left tackle uh, in the NFL so far. Did you understand it? Did you identify with it? What was your reaction to Jonah's reaction? You know, my initial reaction was I get it. But the more I thought about it that same day, I thought, go play right tackle. Make yourself even more valuable, right? Because if you can play both sides and play both sides really well, that's going to do nothing but help you next year in free agency. How confident are you that the Bengals will win a Super Bowl in the Joe Burrow era? Very confident. I think they're, they've got all the tangibles they need. They've got uh, uh, folks on both sides of the ball that can play. Uh, obviously, in football, you need a little luck, and you got to stay healthy. We're here at the Goodwill Celebrity Golf Outing. You've been involved with this for more than 20 years. How did you get involved, and why have you stayed, stayed involved? Well, initially, I started out, as you remember, my Special Olympics golf outing. And, heck, that was 23 years ago, too. And so the folks at Goodwill were there, and they came up and talked to me and asked me about it. And, uh, you know, the reason I do it is because I did the Special Olympics because you got folks with disabilities that are within the athletics part of it, right? And then when Goodwill came along, these, are, these folks put folks with disabilities to work. They train them and then find them jobs, right? So it worked hand in hand, and uh, it's been a great thing. I love giving all the clients hell. And uh, I treat them like anybody else. I don't baby them, and, and that's what's fun about it. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for the time today. Much appreciated. Thanks for coming out, brother. Appreciate you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals, by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs, by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals, and by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.